Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 285th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back together once again, going to get you ready for Carolina and UConn in the Jimmy V Classic um, Carolina returns to the event for the first time in over a decade. Um, and they meet the defending national champs, um, the Yukon Huskies, and a team that, uh, even despite coming off a loss to Kansas, has the look of a team that's more than capable of, of repeating as national champion. So with that, uh, you know the drill, guys. We're going to break down, tell you everything you need to know about the Huskies. Look at this game from the Carolina perspective. We've got a couple discussion topics uh, we're going to go over, give our keys to the game, and so much more. But we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day. And I have a great quote from Muhammad Ali that was going to be the pod thought. but. Oh once I remember that this was the Jimmy V Classic um, and V Week is still going on, it makes sense that we use uh, his famous phrase during his speech, which is now 30 years old, by, uh, by the way, um, when, when he spoke at the ESPYs um, and he launched the V Foundation, which has raised countless uh, millions and millions of dollars for cancer research. Um, and during that, that that impactful speech that ESPN plays every week during V-Week, um, you know, he came up or he delivered the phrase, don't ever give up, don't ever give up. And, um, you know, when it comes to Jimmy V, this is a guy that, that coached and won a national championship at NC State. And it's a it's a rival program of, of ours. And, you know, we don't really have a whole lot of 
nice things to say about people that have played there or people that have coached there. But when it comes to Jimmy V, there's a difference when it comes to him because, yes, you know, he he was a a coach at at a rival school, but, you know, this was a man that was really close with Coach K, really coached with with Dick Vitale. Um, And when you look at his his impact on the world um, and and, and where cancer research is uh, now and how far we've come um, in trying to cure you know the uh, the uh, uh, disease that takes countless people year after year after year. You have to put aside the 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 disdain for NC State and realize, man, this man um, has impacted our world in more ways than one. And, and I, for one, tune in every week to watch the 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 Jimmy V speech because. The message is still as powerful today as it was 30 years ago. And if we have any listeners out there that are currently battling cancer or you have family members or friends that are battling cancer, hopefully you pass along the message of don't ever give up. Don't ever give up because, um, you know, this man has inspired so many, you know, in in, in their in their battle with cancer um, and, and his impact is still being felt some 30 years later. Yeah, it's, it's truly amazing. And to say that, you know, it's it's impacted the world of cancer research, you know, it might seem like in some respects that's that's a lot, but uh, it's it's not. It's it really isn't. And you you see by so many different people that have cancer in the sports world, they point to that moment. Um, Robin Roberts, uh, who was a Sports Center anchor, eventually uh, went on to do Good Morning America. She said that when she was going through her fight with uh, with cancer, that that was one of the main things that she remembered back to, uh, to sort of keep her going. So he was so inspirational. Um, it also kind of set the stage for Stuart Scott, uh, for his speech that he gave. Uh, and, and I think that's, you know, honestly, it's just amazing how, you know, yeah, there are rivalries in the sport. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, we, we definitely have, as you said, some disdain for NC State and their program. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, this this is truly something amazing that Jimmy V was able to do. And that moment alone brought so much attention to the research that was being done for cancer. And now every week, every year, this week comes up. And well, it's collection of, of, of a couple of weeks. It comes up every single year and the outpouring of support is amazing. And, you know, it sucks that, you know, one of the guys that was really good friends with him is now having to go through that and Dickie V, but he's talked so many times about how uh, that, that, that speech and being able to talk to Jimmy V and, and remember some of the things that he said through his battle has really helped him. So, you know, that's the thing, man, is that, We've seen it so many times, uh, especially, you know, here in in the Triangle area. But throughout college basketball, some of the biggest, you know, presences in the sport have been affected by cancer. And Jimmy V really did a great job of bringing awareness to it. And to this day, it still has a lasting impact that we relive every single year. And it continues to keep us focused on one of the most important battles that we have going on uh, throughout this world. 
On a more lighthearted note, what the Jimmy V Classic uh, has provided college basketball over the last 30 years um, is marquee non-conference basketball games. And that's what this is going to be uh, when Carolina and UConn meet on the floor at Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena. Um, two of the Blue Bloods of the sport, two, two of the best premier programs um, in the country squaring off. And Carolina and UConn um, have history. They had a home-and-home home back in the mid-2000s. Um, and, and, you know, there have been times where they thought or it felt like they were on a collision course during NCAA tournament runs. You know, UConn was in the 9 Final Four when Carolina won the national championship. Um, and, and so for, you know, a, a for, for the sport of college basketball – this is this is a big night because you're you're having two of your premier brands on the biggest stage in basketball playing at at the Garden, the Mecca, if you will, um, and that's something that the you know the Jimmy V Classic over the years has done during as they try to uh, raise money for cancer research. They 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 put great games on display, and that's what this is going to be. And for Carolina, this is a measuring stick type of game because Carolina has so far I think has you know exceeded in a lot of people's minds uh their expectations for this year or they're on par with a seven and one record but you're going up against the defending national champs um you're talking about a team that just came off the hard loss to out to 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 Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse but played as as well as anybody's gonna play in that building this year and they were in position to win in, in 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 the closing minutes. And you know, college basketball, probably as much as any other sport we have, whether it's college or pro, um, is is as difficult a sport uh, to repeat as as national champions. But this this UConn team to start the season has the look and the feel of a team that could go back to back. And you know, we we talked about how important. Last week's game against Tennessee was for for Hubert Davis in the inaugural ACC-SEC Challenge. A big win for Carolina at home in the Smith Center. But this is the first time that Carolina has played the the defending national champions on a neutral court under Hubert Davis. And I think that raises the question, is this the most important non-conference game of the Hubert Davis era? I mean... (laughs) It's, it's got to be up there, right? I, I would say you could argue in terms of importance that the game against Tennessee might have been more important. The biggest game, it definitely is. Um, it, and I got to be honest, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a game uh, that's going to rival this one. Um, it, it's, it's going to be incredibly tough because you are going on the road to a second home for UConn. This is where, I mean, you know, you you look at Villanova. Villanova has an, an on-campus site that they play on, and then they play in, uh, I don't even know what it's called now in Philadelphia. I was going to say the Wachovia Center, but there's no way that's actually still the name of it. But you, you see some of these neutral courts. Yeah, Madison Square Garden is a little bit further away from stores. It doesn't matter. That is basically the second home for UConn. They've already went there and won a game this year. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's it's definitely the, the thing that is on the table for Carolina in this game is, I mean, look, Tennessee was a statement in, of, in and of itself 
the way that you played, especially in that first half. If you go to Madison Square Garden and win this game, you are not only proving yourselves to be contenders, you are probably getting yourself into the conversation to be one of the favorites to win the national championship with where we sit at this point in the season. And uh, I think that's something that this Carolina team is is, is capable of. Um, you know, don't get it wrong. Carolina is going to have some fans in the building as well. Uh, but I, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this team handles this test because they're coming off of a game against Florida State where they did not look their best, uh, you know, offensively. They still have some issues defensively. They're going to need to put together their best performance of the season by far if they're going to win this game. And the key is, look, they put up a great performance in that first half against Tennessee. We've seen great second-half performances uh, in games like Arkansas and Northern Iowa, some of those wins, Uh, even uh, the game against Florida State the other day. Um, But you need this to be – a complete game, uh, and you need it to be the best game that Carolina's played all around if they want to find a way to take down what is one of the best teams in the entire country that just had to go into the toughest environment in all of college basketball in Allen Fieldhouse and try to come out with a win. Yeah, to to me, this is a no-brainer. This is... This is the most important non-conference game so far under Huber Davis because they haven't yet squared off against a defending national champion. And when you factor in the year that Carolina is coming off of, where you know they 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 they, they failed to to meet the expectation, um, this this win could could serve a lot of uh, justice for this team uh, trying to make its fan base trust them uh, in these types of games because. This is also going to be the biggest game uh, in the non-conference that Carolina has played in so far. Um, you know, I know the Tennessee game the other night was big, but I mean, this is this is as big as it gets on a neutral court in the venue that the that and, and, and how historic and meaningful that venue is, and it's a nine o'clock game. And you know, you can say what you want um, about how it's all made for TV, but it matters. And when Carolina plays at 9 o'clock, it feels important. It feels big time. Um, And this is what you want. This is what Harrison Ingram, this is what Cormac Ryan, this is why they came here. It's also why Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis returned. Because Carolina's played in their fair share of these games over the last couple of years. They haven't fared well in them. And they haven't won them nowhere near – and the, you know, at the late, at the rate and the level that we expect to, and part of that is that Carolina is spoiled uh, because they have typically shown up and shown out in big time games. That hasn't really happened over the last five years, but you know that's why Carolina basketball hasn't felt like Carolina basketball. It's why this week with you know the big win at home over Tennessee and then the come from behind win against Florida State on Saturday felt like old-time Carolina basketball. Well, also Carolina basketball is is playing in these types of games and excelling in these types of games. Um, and then the last question I, I, I have and the last thing we'll discuss before we start really breaking down the actual game is what would a, what would a win mean for this team? And, you know, to me the first thing is that it's another quad one win. Um, it's another resume-building win that, 
that Carolina didn't have last year. And it's the biggest reason why they missed the NCAA tournament. And, you know, as you were talking about, Carolina wins this game. They vault themselves into the short list of teams that realistically have a shot at winning a national championship. And I know it's just December, and we're still, I think John Rothstein said we're 15 weeks away from Selection Sunday. So there's still a lot of time and a lot of games to be played between now and then. But for this group, I think setting that type or sending that type of statement would mean a lot because we haven't seen Carolina basketball look championship confident in the non-conference under Hubert Davis. You saw it at plenty of times under Roy Williams. And usually when Carolina had that look, had that feel, it carried over into the ACC season. And it generally meant a deep run for the Tar Heels come the NCAA tournament. If Carolina wins this game on Tuesday night, there's no denying that they emerge as one of the, 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 the nation's elite, and it's another step forward in the right direction for this program under Hubert Davis. Well, I mean, it would just completely silence or should completely silence anybody that has remaining questions about Hubert Davis. Like, at that rate, you're talking about two of the better wins in all of college basketball so far this season. And, uh, I mean, it, it really, you know, is going to be hard-pressed to see this team – you know, not being – I'm not going to say they would be locked into the tournament, but that would be a, a pretty much a statement that, yeah, this team, any of those questions of them missing the tournament are completely gone. Uh, any of the questions of them not being competitive in the ACC would pretty much be completely gone. Um, I, I think it's it's something that is wanted, but it, it's, it's definitely something that I don't think – like if Carolina loses this game – I feel like there will be a lot of people that will try to take, oh, it's the same thing with Carolina. They can't win these big types of games, whatever. I'm not, I don't think this is that game because this is such a good team that Carolina is facing. I think this is a game where Carolina can really help themselves more than anything. I don't really think they can hurt themselves that badly unless they just come out and get blown to smithereens, which I don't see that happening. In this game, so yeah, it, it really serves as an opportunity for you to show people around the country that you are, you know, back into that territory of being a national title contender. And and look, I mean, right now you look around the ACC, and you know, Duke is is not playing great basketball. A lot of their fan base is very unhappy with how things are going right now. Um, you, you you see Virginia, another team that a lot of people had high hopes for coming into the season. I mean, they've picked up some good wins in the non-conference. They also have a really bad loss at home to Wisconsin, where they got beat by 24 points on their home court. Um, it really feels like this is also a game where Carolina can sort of establish themselves as maybe the front runner in the ACC. If they win this game, it's going to be hard-pressed to argue that they are not. So, I mean, there's a chance for Carolina to really make a statement to the rest of the country and the rest of the conference in this game. Uh, but again, it's going to take the right mindset from Carolina to go into basically a road environment to get that done. Let's dive into this opponent and break down the Huskies. Um, and as the time of recording, uh, UConn is 7-1 and one on the year. Their lone loss coming on the road at Kansas in the 
uh, Big East Big 12 Challenge. Um, and at the time of recording, they're ranked fourth in the AP poll. Even with the loss, they're probably just trading places with Kansas, who was ranked five. And before the loss to the Jayhawks, um, UConn had won 24 straight non-conference games by double digits, which broke a record with Carolina back in the 2008 2009 so if you go really 2007 2008 and then 2008 2009 non-conference season where Carolina won 23 uh straight non-conference game by double digits so in, in other words um UConn's been dominant um in in the non-conference portion they were they were really dominant a year ago where they went from I believe they were unranked to start the season to ranked inside the top five um, as they, they started their championship journey with the big November and December. Um, and outside of the lone loss to Kansas, they've done that as well this year. I mean, they, they beat Texas by double digits in the garden. Um, and Texas is a, you know, second weekend of the tournament type of team. Um, and they're, 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 as much as Danny Hurley has built his team and his program um, on the defensive end of the court, this is an offensive juggernaut um, that has five players currently averaging double-figure scoring. Um, Tristan Newton's been absolutely sensational for them, averaging 17.5 points, uh, 7.9 rebounds, 6.3 assists, while shooting 47% from the field, 38% from three. Um, Cam Spencer, the... Uh, Rutgers transfer averaging 15 points per game, 3.4 rebounds, 3.5 assists, shooting 46% from the field, 43% from three. Uh, Stefan Castle, uh, the five star freshman, 14 and a half points, six and a half boards, three and a half assists, um, shooting 67% and 33% from three. We'll update you on his injury status in just a moment. Uh, Donovan Klingon, they're 7 2 big. 14.1.6.1 rebounds, um, and he's shooting 64% from the field. And then Alex Caravan, the last guy, 14.0 points, 5.8 boards. He's shooting 53% from the field and 31% from three. We mentioned Castle and his injury status. Did not play in the game against Kansas on Friday. And the, the, the biggest reason of note was he was targeting a return date by December 1st. Friday was December 1st. This game is going to tip off on December 5th. So there is a chance that he could be on the court and in uniform for UConn. And if that's the case, he takes them to um, another level. Some other offensive numbers uh, of note, this team is shooting 64% from the field inside the three-point line. Um, That's the third best percentage in the country. And their 121.2 offensive rating is third best, according to Kempom. And so uh, we, we've lamented the struggles this team has experienced defensively since the battle for Atlantis, um, you know, getting, getting exploited by Arkansas, Villanova, Tennessee, and then really the first 28 minutes of their day against Florida State. And it doesn't get any easier because this is far and away the best offensive team Carolina has seen so far and potentially may see all season long. Oh, yeah, it's just lovely. I mean, it's exactly what you're hoping for if you're Carolina right now with the issues that you've had. But 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be, you know, another one of those games where Carolina just has to, uh, you know, be strategic about what they do defensively. And I think we saw what the recipe was the other night. And this game, more than just about any other game the rest of the season, you are going to have to use a lot of the full court press. Um, even if you're not going to use the full court press, you've got to figure out a way to – uh, you know, use some, so, you know, when they come across half court, um, you know, blitz uh, certain guys, um, blitz screens. I, I think that that's the thing that you need to see from Carolina. It, it felt like, you know, up until the other night, Carolina was really just trying to defend straight up almost the entire season. And it, it now it, it feels like there is, you know, more in – uh, that repertoire for Carolina defensively. Um, I just hope that it's something that we see, you know, maybe even a little bit earlier than we saw the other night because this feels like one of those games where if Carolina struggles that badly defensively early in the game and just allows UConn to get into a rhythm, UConn could pull away pretty quickly in this game. They are really good defensively. I mean, they're only allowing opponents to shoot 40% uh, from inside the arc, which is 10th best in the entire country. Um, they don't put you know people on the free throw line a lot, just uh, 17.5 free throw attempts uh, allowed per game so far, which is 131st in the country. So I think you know this is this is something that Carolina, you know they, they've they've got to find a way to slow this team down scoring wise. Yeah, they gotta they gotta have a good night offensively as well because it's a lot easier said than done. But this is a team that you know in in UConn that is as good offensively as we've seen. And uh, for Carolina to stand a chance, they can't let this team score. You know, potentially in the nineties or hundreds, and think they're going to find a way to match them basket for basket. Let's look at this game from the Carolina perspective, like UConn. Um, Carolina enters this game seven and one, and as the time of recording, they are ranked seventeenth in the AP poll. But given the amount of upsets you saw throughout the sport this week and a two and zero week for Carolina, um, they're going to vault up the polls. And by the time this game tips off, this could be a top ten matchup um, when it's all said and done. The seven and one start pretty important because this is the first time Carolina has started. Seven and one since they started ten and one uh, back in 2017, 2018, the year that Carolina was doing what UConn is trying to do right now, which is defend their national title. Um, Carolina would go on to be a two seed that year in the NCAA tournament. Um, the Tar Heels got four players averaging double figure scoring. They're led by RJ Davis's 20.4 points, 3.1 rebounds. 2.9 assists. He's shooting 44% from the field, 35% from three. Amanda Baycock, second on the team in scoring at 16.3 points and 11.8 rebounds. He's shooting 54% from the field. Harrison Ingram, who will be looking to bounce back from an off game against, Tennessee, or against Florida State, third on the team in scoring, 14.5 points, 6.8 rebounds, 2.3 assists. Uh, he's shooting 46% from the field, 43% from three. And Cormac Ryan, the last guy in double figures, at 11 points per game, 3.3 rebounds, two assists. But he's just shooting 33% from the field, 29% from three. 
And like UConn, Carolina's offensive rating is among the best in the country. Their offensive rating is 119.6, which is fifth best in the country. And so when you when you look at this game from the Carolina perspective, um, even though UConn's got five guys averaging double figure scoring, and you know they've got a top three offense in the country. Carolina, in their own right, has four players averaging double figure scoring. They've got a top five offensive rating, uh, which should lead to a bunch of fireworks and a fun brand of basketball. Um, as as we'll now transition into our keys to the game, um, the first key I have is win the race to eighty because both teams are averaging north of 80 points per game. Um, they're among the the, the, the top 20 um, highest scoring teams in the country. And by the time some of those other teams start playing legitimate competition, Carolina and UConn will still probably, you know, emerge as two of the best offenses in the country in terms of point per game total. Um, and Carolina this year has been absolutely fantastic putting the ball in the basket, but they've struggled defensively. And this this feels like a game that Carolina's got to have the same shot selection, the same focus that you had against Tennessee. You're not going to score 61 first-half points on, you, on, on this UConn team. It's not going to happen. Um, as, as prideful as – uh, Rick Barnes is and in, in, in the defense that Tennessee plays. I mean, Danny Hurley has built his program as much as they're, you know, at, a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at an all time rate offensively. This is a defensive minded program. Um, and so Carolina is going to have their hands full, but this game is going to be up and down. This game is going to feel like the Villanova game. It's going to feel like the Arkansas game. Carolina didn't win the race to 80 against Villanova. Uh, they lost the game. They won the race to 80 against Arkansas. They won the game. This game has that type of feel, and it feels like whichever team hits that 80-point threshold uh, the quickest, when that final horn sounds, they'll probably emerge victorious. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has the feel of that type of game. I mean, this, this is one that, you know, could kind of get up there uh, towards that matchup that we saw in the 2016-2017 regular season with Kentucky. I mean, we th- this could be an absolutely insane matchup if these two teams are clicking on the offensive end. I will say this, it will be easier said than done for Carolina offensively because uh, this is a team in UConn that's allowing 61.6 points per game, which is 20th in the country. So they are really good offensively, really good defensively, as you were saying. I mean, this is going to be a challenge all around for Carolina, but I feel like, you know, we've seen Carolina has found ways to put up points even when they're not having the most efficient night. Now, a lot of that is that they've gotten to the free throw line. That needs to be part of your plan in this game. But at the same time, you know, this is a a team in UConn that doesn't foul as much as some of the other teams that you've faced so far this year. So Carolina, they're going to have to be aggressive at finding a way to get to the foul line and and get some of those easy baskets inside. And the other thing that they have to hope is that they are on from outside. They have been, you know, for the most part here uh, as of late since they've gone Uh, out to the Bahamas. Really, the first game out there was where things started to click just a little bit. But this was not 
the greatest game uh, the other day against Florida State, uh, shooting the ball from the perimeter. Carolina needs to rebound in this game and shoot the ball well from the outside because this is a team in UConn that, you know, teams have shot pretty well from three against them. They're shooting 37% from the outside. So that's the one area of weakness. For them, I think that's an area that Carolina has the guys to be able to attack. We've seen it. You're going to need big days from Harrison Ingram, Cormac Ryan, R.J. Davis. They're going to need to hit shots from the outside, and hopefully those shots are falling because you're going to need it if you want to keep pace with this UConn team. Yeah, that was the last key to the game, so we'll just go ahead and transition into that one before we get to what was the second key. Um, And you're right. Look, Carolina shot 23% from behind the three-point line against Florida State. Um, But we knew it was going to be a challenge because Florida State was only allowing teams to shoot 26% from behind the the arc. R.J. Davis's numbers are starting to pick up. He's got up to 35%. Um, Harrison Ingram's have have, have fallen down to 43%, which was expected when he was shooting right at the 50% threshold after the first handful of games. Cormac Ryan was brought in, yes, to for his experience um, and his leadership, but to make shots. And, look, you got to commend that he has competed despite the ball not going in the basket the, the way that he was brought in to, to do. Um, but this feels like a game where if Carolina is going to win – you're getting contributions from your three best perimeter shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you go back to when the season started, you know, the only three guys that had the green light were R.J. Davis, Cormac Ryan, and at the time, Paxton Wojcik, who was a starter. We played eight games. Um, Paxton Wojcik the other day didn't start. Now playing and, and, and only played four minutes. Safe to say he no longer has the green light. Your three guys that you're probably comfortable letting take perimeter shots are Davis, Ingram, and Ryan. Uh, and you know with RJ, even if he has an off night, when you if you need him to make a big shot or a tough shot, he's the guy you have the most confidence in. Um, Harrison Ingram, if he can continue to, to to shoot at the rate that he's doing, you'll 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 be more than pleased with him more often than not. This has to be Cormac Ryan announcing his arrival to Carolina basketball from a scoring perspective. He's done so as a leader. He's done so as a competitor um, because he's competed on on the defensive end of the court. The ball has to go in the basket for him. Conversely, Carolina's got to defend the three-point line much better. You know, UConn doesn't – you don't have the type of scores that they have without dudes that can put the ball in the basket from behind the arc. And you look at Tristan Newton, 38%. You look at Cam Spencer, 43%. Um, Caravan is a guy that when if, if he gets hot, he's kind of a hot and cold guy with his 31% shooting. But uh, when that guy gets cooking, he can shoot it with as, with as good as any uh, wing in the country. And so it's important that Carolina – Hits their 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 fair amount of threes. You probably feel like they got to make seven or eight of them to give themselves a realistic chance to win the game. But on the flip side, they got to defend it much better than they did the other day, where Florida State was seven of fourteen in the first half, and they were ten of nineteen at one point in the second half before they ultimately finished two of two of nine. Florida State was twelve of twenty eight from behind the three point line. That's forty three percent. 
if UConn shoots and makes double-digit threes, it's hard to envision a scenario where Carolina uh, comes out of this game the winner. Yeah, I mean, look, defensively, it's it's really, I mean, it's really hard to to really point to where an area that they don't need to take away in this game, or at least try to, because. Yeah, you say run them off the three-point line. And, and look, they cannot allow the type of three-point shooting that they allowed the other day. That was one of the big reasons that Florida State uh, was able to – you know, event, to grab a lead early um, and, you know, force Carolina to have to do what they had to do to get back into the game. But at the same time with this UConn team, I mean, this is a team that inside the arc is shooting 64% from the field, which is third best in the entire country. So, I mean, there's there, there's so many different ways that this team can hurt you. I think it's just, you know, finding a way to, um, you know, be, be – I, I mean, Carolina was just too far off of guys in the game on Saturday against Florida State. They didn't close out on the ball well. That's something you need to see Carolina do a better job of in this game. Um, you know, I, I I think you can sort of eliminate that uh, with you know if you're uh, with pressing off of made baskets. Um, you know, I think that will certainly help. Uh, but you know that when those baskets aren't going down like they weren't in the first half against Florida State. You just need to be able to straight up defend guys, and Carolina needs to do a better job of that. But the other thing is is that, yeah, when you defend the three-point line, Carolina has to pre- uh, has to prevent themselves from cha- taking these cheap fouls that they have at times this year closing out on three-pointers. Yeah, you want to be aggressive closing out, but if you're really that late, you got to be smart because you don't want to put this team on the free throw line. They're just such a good offensive team. Uh, and then, you know, in terms of shooting the basketball, yeah, again, Carolina, they, they've got to find a way to be able to knock down shots. I think if you can get to that magic number that I've talked about before uh, of 10 three-pointers, I think Carolina's got a real shot in this game. Um, I, I think they, they've got some guys that are in rhythm. You mentioned R.J. Davis, and R.J. Davis is a guy that uh, not only hits the open three-pointers, he hits the tough, contested three-pointers. Uh, you got Harrison Ingram, yeah, is coming off of uh, his worst shooting game really since he went out to the Bahamas. But at the same time, I, I think that could serve as a little bit of motivation for him in this game. You wonder if he's a guy uh, that could get you off to a good start like he did in the game against Tennessee. And then Cormac Ryan, yeah, it's it's. I think he's probably the X factor in this game. Is he going to be able to show up and knock down the shots that you need him to? Because we saw it a couple of times uh, out in the battle for Atlantis where he's able to hit some big shots for you, and it made a difference. Um, you need him to be that difference maker again in this game. And if he is... Carolina's definitely got the horses. I think that's the thing. Nobody is questioning if Carolina has the offensive firepower to hang with this team. I think the concern is, are they going to be able to get enough stops to be able to win this game? So ultimately, yeah, they got to be able to make shots uh, you know, from deep on, on the one end, but they have to figure out a way just to, to show some sort of resistance against this UConn offense, which is one of the best in the country, while they're still sputtering a little bit on the defensive end.
The last key to the game, I have it on the sheet as win the battle of the boards. Uh, we're going to change it and just win and make it win the interior. This is going to be a grown man game inside. Um, and, and one of the, the reasons, one of the many reasons I prefer the college game over the professional, over the professional game is the big man still matters in college. And this is going to be two of the best bigs in the country going at it. Um, Armando Baycott has been the double-double machine that we've grown and uh, loved him to be over the years. And then Donovan Klingon, a guy that came off the bench last year for UConn, now is a starter. Uh, he's been absolutely sensational. He's going to have the height advantage in this game as he's 7-2 over Armando Baycott. Um, and look, after... A rough three games in Atlanta. This staff challenged Armando, um, and he responded with a big game against Tennessee, and he had another double-double against Florida State the other day. And he's going to have to play at the highest level he's played um, so far this year. But it's not just him. Um, you know, you, this is a this is a UConn team that is shooting 64% from inside the three-point line. With analytics uh, as heavily involved in the college game as it is today, that doesn't mean they're taking long contested two point jump shots. That means they're getting into the lane and finishing in and at the rim. Carolina blocked six shots the other day against Florida State. They protected the rim as well as they have against any you know big six opponent so far this season. That's going to be on display once again in this game. Um, Carolina has to, in my opinion, if they want to win this game, they're going to have to win the battle of the boards. And they're going to have to win the points in the paint battle. And that means you got to get the job done on both ends. Carolina's got to control the glass. And this will be their toughest challenge yet with the starting lineup that, that Huber Davis will most likely roll with, which is R.J. Davis, Cormac Ryan, Elliot Cadeau, Harrison Ingram, and, and, and Armando Baycott. But that also means you got to defend at a high level as well because this UConn team is going to want to get downhill and they're going to want to live in the lane to make you collapse and kick the ball out for open shots on the perimeter. And so, um, you know, this is a part of winning that race to 80 is winning the interior. And if, if Carolina does that, as they did against Tennessee, as they did against Florida State last week, they put themselves in position to win the game when we get to that final under four media timeout. Yeah, I mean, winning the interior really comes down to the big men because if I mean, if you're saying they won the battle of the interior in the game against Tennessee and Florida State, it has nothing to do with them stopping guys getting to the lane because they never did that at all. Um, and that's going to be a big part of the game plan for uh, for for UConn. The interesting thing is going to be when it comes to competing on the glass with this team. I mean, Carolina's got their work cut out for them. This is uh, an outstanding rebounding team. I mean, this team averages 41.8 rebounds per game, which is 27th in the country. But the more damning stat is the fact that their opponents average just 27.5 rebounds per game, which is second fewest in the entire country. So it's because they make a lot of shots. It's because they're extremely efficient on offense, but they also do a good job of rebounding. I mean, they average 13.3 offensive rebounds per game. Uh, their, their leading rebounder is a guard in Tristan Newton. So Carolina needs other guys to step up, not just uh, Armando Baycott on that end. But, you know, specifically when you look at the matchup on the inside with, uh, with Klingon and 
uh, Armando. Th- this is going to be the biggest test that Armando is going to face this year. There's, there's not. I mean, it, probably him or Kyle Filipowski. And Filipowski is a little bit of a different type of player than Clinton is. This is going to be two two traditional bigs beating on each other inside. And this is the type of matchup that probably favors Armando more than some of the guys that can stretch the floor. Um, you're hoping that he's he's able to take advantage of that. Um, but, you know, I, I think it, it's, it's, it's going to show a lot about Armando and where he's at this season because I said it when we talked about his struggles in Atlantis. This is a guy that is really, really good at home. And this year, I think more than any year, you can see the differentials. He is an outstanding player in the Smith Center. He's a guy that just about nobody could find a way to slow down. When he gets away from Chapel Hill, he is a different player. And you're hoping that that is not going to be the case. Now, the thing is, is that last year when they played in the Garden, he was a big reason why Carolina won the game. You hope that he can do the same thing again for Carolina in this one. And I will say this. You look at some of the matchups that he's had in the past against some of the best bigs that he's faced. Anytime you seem to question, will he be able to hold up in a matchup against, insert whatever big man here, uh, he has found a way to outperform those guys. This is another one of those tests. I think he's going to be up for the task, and I think he'll he'll find a way to compete against uh, Klingman inside. The bigger question is, can the rest of this group compete on the boards? Uh, and and even a guy like Jalen Washington, can he compete against somebody that's going to come in later in the game? And Samson Johnson, who's having a really good year as well inside. Carolina enters with just a 40.9% chance to win the game, according to ESPN analytics who wins the game and why i i look i really want to pick carolina in this game i think if uconn had won in allen fieldhouse carolina could potentially win this game i think this falls in the worst spot for carolina um you know they're coming off of a game that 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 they didn't play their best in um, you wonder if they're if, if they question themselves a little bit. Uh, this could be one of those games where they step up and show that that game was a little bit of a fluke. But um, I, I just to me, I just think this is a team that matches up so well with Carolina in terms of the amount of depth that they have. They've got a big man inside that I think matches up well with Armando. I don't think that'll be where Carolina loses the game. My biggest concern in this game, and the reason why I just don't think Carolina has enough to pull this one out, is I don't think this team will be able to stop UConn from getting downhill and getting to the basket. We've seen it too often already so far this year. I think they'll try to be aggressive and throw that press at UConn, but this is a much more composed a veteran and a much more athletic team than the group that you saw from Florida State the other day. I just, to me, I just don't know if Carolina has enough defensively to stop this team from scoring in the 90s. I think Carolina, they'll put up a good performance offensively, but I think, again, the things that we've seen from this team on the other end of the floor are just too much, and Carolina falls in this one. In a close one, I think they'll lose it somewhere in that five- to seven-point range. 
Carolina's back in non-conference play, and they're back playing ranked opponents in their next three straight games, uh, UConn, Kentucky, and Oklahoma. I think if they go 2-1 and one in that stretch, you're satisfied um, because Kentucky's coming off a, a, a home loss to UNC Wilmington, um, so you feel a little bit more better about that game. You get Oklahoma in your backyard in Charlotte. Um, you feel pretty confident about that game. This is the one that you don't really know. Um, and I I would love to see Carolina win this game as much as any non-conference game they've played in recent years because it's it's that important. It means, it means that much. Um, I'm a college basketball junkie. I watch a lot of other teams play. UConn's the best team I've seen play the first month of the season. Even though they lost to Kansas or not, I think they've looked better than Kansas. I think they've looked better than Purdue, Marquette, you name it. I think UConn has looked better. Um, and I think they are a legitimate threat to repeat as national champions, something we haven't seen since the Florida Gators did so in the mid-2000s. Um, they're good at the Garden. Um, and this is going to be one of the, the better non-conference guarding crowds we've seen in quite some time. Um, and, and ultimately, I think Carolina falls short, but this will still be a game that when we come back and talk about it, we're, we're, feeling, we're feeling confident about what they have done so far in the in, 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 in the early part of the season and we feel like this team this program is back in the heading in the right direction to uh competing with the nation's elite so there you have it that's the first time this year both anthony and i have picked carolina to lose a game um and no matter what happens we'll have you covered on the website that's HeelToughBlog.com, where there'll be a preview of the game. Of course, there'll be a recap of the game as well as I continue to take you through the basketball season. As for the football side of things, the news hasn't stopped for Carolina football. Uh, more players in the transfer portal. Carolina has learned its bold destination. They're heading back to Charlotte, uh, where they'll, t- they'll face West Virginia in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Anthony has you covered on all the news and notes coming out of Tar Heel football. So make sure you're staying plugged in. That's HeelToughBlog.com for the latest Carolina basketball and Tar Heel football information. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!